friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUInsight.com and also the host of the CU Insight Experience podcast. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community, to identify some issues that are affecting all of us in credit unions and have a discussion around you know, those best practices that, that maybe we can gain a few nuggets from and learn and improve our credit unions overall. I was really excited today. My guest on the show today is Cameron Medill. He is the CEO and co-owner of Pixel Spoke. So let's just jump right into this conversation. Cameron, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, Randy. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I like to start, and this was something I realized on the other podcast, most of us didn't grow up wanting to be in credit unions when we were kids. So a couple of questions for you. What did you want to be when you were growing up? How'd you find your way to credit unions and being the, the co-owner and CEO of Pixelsmoke? Yeah, great question. You know, growing up, I had no idea what a credit union was, nor that anyone owned businesses. So I had three things I was really passionate about before I became like a really sullen uh, middle schooler. And I loved writing. I loved writing stories. I loved math and I loved basketball. So any okay. one of those, you know, a professional writer, an NBA basketball player or a mathematician all seemed super fun to me because I could just get into this state of flow like like nothing else. Oh, that's awesome. Huh. So did you play basketball, I take it, growing up as well? And do you still write? Yeah, I, you know, I still love writing. I, I write as much as I can. I use it as a kind of just a vehicle to express myself. But mostly, we've obviously written a lot for CU Insight, which we Absolutely. love doing. Yeah, um, we, we converted to a worker-owned cooperative. And we've done a lot of work in kind of the values-driven business space. And I use all those as kind of opportunities to just share What's inside my head? You're adding more questions already that I, I, I can't wait to dig into more. So, but first, for everybody listening, you and I, we meet at a conference. Maybe one of those in person things happens again. Give us the quick elevator pitch. What is Pixel Spoke and, and where do you add value to the, to the credit union system? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole core of what we love doing is building the website as the hub of a credit union's digital branch. And so that includes, you know, making sure that the the website is beautiful, that it really looks differentiated, that it's really captured the essence and the flavor of that particular credit union, that it has a great user experience and smooth technology integrations. And then I think the last thing which, which everyone is talking about and is just so important is that there's a real focus on tracking. Um, and we really think that needs to go end to end all the way down to was a loan funded, was a loan funded, but the member didn't accept it, and so on and so forth versus just the activities um, that happen on the website. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense that we have all this data, right? So now it's, what do we do with it? When we were preparing for the show, there were a few different things that I was thinking about. It, it, you know, that idea of, you know, kind of transforming the credit union business model. I, I think you just were talking about kind of building that beautiful, functional, trackable site. We saw over the past year or so, you got to have the digital presence, right? Like it's just, it, we're not going to put that genie back in the bottle, obviously. And I, would honestly say we, we weren't even before COVID. But what does that mean, you know, delivering to members that kind of inclusive website where they have that user experience and the design and then, you know, for the credit union, the ROI side as well? Yeah, I love that question, Randy. So I, th I guess I think I heard a couple different components. Yeah. One, I think is, yeah, how do credit unions differentiate? And I think a lot of it comes down to some of the really basic principles of strategy of where can credit unions go? that their competitors won't. I always think that's like such a simple but useful framing. And I think 
credit unions as member-owned cooperatives are able and willing to do things that other financial institutions aren't. So one of the things that, that we like to talk about is what we call the, the three C's of cause marketing, which is really how to differentiate as an impact-driven institution. So the first C is, is having a core focus, something that's just so simple and easy to understand that it, it's, not, it's not fuzzy, it's not squishy, but as a member or prospective member, I'm like, I get it. I want to be part of that. The non-credit union example I always love is Tom's Shoes, um, which was such a phenomenally successful business. And as, as a consumer, you just had to say, hey, I buy a pair of shoes and some child in the developing world gets a free pair of shoes. I get a cool pair of shoes, they get a free pair of shoes. It's so simple. And another great example in the credit union space of this is a startup credit union from the last roughly five years called Clean Energy Credit Union. And so as a consumer, if I care about climate change and I care about the environment, I know that every deposit I make at this credit union is going to get used to fund green loans, so solar panels or uh, business improvements or electric vehicles. So that's, that's the first C is core focus. The second one is a, a commitment to transparency, and it's something that credit unions actually do super well because they're regulated institutions, but we don't necessarily have that DNA around the impact that we're having. So there's really powerful standards like the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, the B Corp movement, which is something that Pixel Spoke is part of. And they're kind of, you can think of them as not a good way to sell this, but it's like NCUA regulations, but for impact. So that commitment to transparency, which includes a degree of humility that we all are on a journey to have a positive impact in the world and we all have a long way to go. But by putting that out there, it creates a lot of trust. And then the third C is, of course, communicating memorably. And at the end of the day, if, if we can't do something that is memorable, uh, we actually call our podcast the Remarkable Credit Union Podcast because we think we think being remarkable is truly the goal of marketing, right? Is it something that is worth remarking on that's going to sort of spread of its own accord because it's so thought-provoking or interesting that word of mouth will naturally take off? So that's kind of my my thought of like those three C's of core focus, commitment to transparency, and communicating memorably for how credit union can go where its competitors won't go. Well, first of all, we will link to the podcast in the show notes. Everybody should listen to it. It's fantastic. I've listened. Gosh, what you said there, there's there's a lot to unpack. Let me ask you this from uh, this is maybe a scratch my own itch question more than anything else. But credit unions are cooperative, you know, financial institutions. You've talked about your business making an impact as well in now being cooperatively owned. How did you make that decision, I guess, to, to do that as well? Yeah, great question, Randy. It's, I mean, the honest answer is this is not, you know, buttering you and our audience up is it was working with credit unions that opened our eyes to there being a different structure in capitalism. And so I always found it very intriguing. And we've seen clients who have everything from a few dozen people at an annual meeting to thousands. So there's a whole range of how people engage their membership in that cooperative model. But it, it really intrigued me. And then as I mentioned through the, the B Corp community, which we're part of. Um, yeah. So certified B Corporations are companies that publicly measure their environmental community, workplace, and ownership impact. So all these different stakeholders they're looking at. We started meeting other worker-owned cooperatives. And I guess to be honest, as I looked at, you know, I don't know if I look at I'm 40, I'm 41, I'm almost 42, Randy. So you know, who knows how long I've got. But I, I just I, I've met a lot of business owners who kind of seem stuck in their businesses. Like, like they just don't really know, they don't really want to be there, but they don't know how to get out. And I often would see people kind of feel trapped, honestly. And, and so they, they would often kind of just sell their business to a large, like a large marketing, you know, a thousand person marketing agency that sort of has holding companies all around the world, or maybe to a technology company that will just 
turn this marketing company into like an add-on, you know, a, a throw-in to their big, big contracts. And so I just, I think a lot about sustainability and how, you know, I don't want to be, I didn't want to be the sole owner of Pixel Spoke forever. I don't think that's healthy. I want to share ownership. I want to build leaders. I want to create something that I hope I can still make a contribution, but it's not really about me. And so the model just, um, you know, we're a year, almost a year and a half into it, Randy, and it's been a wild ride. It's, it's certainly not been without challenges, but it just feels like the kind of thing that I'm fired up to, to wake up in the morning and say, like, how can we build a business that shares ownership and is based on the concepts of democratic control? Oh, that's uh, beautiful. And my guess is the credit union folks are going to be interested to hear this, but I, I can pick your brain even more down the, after, after we're done. So or else this could go a long time. That's, that's awesome. I did not know any of that. So I'm like sitting here going, there's so many more questions, but to kind of get back to credit unions overall. You know, uh, a couple of questions that I also had for you was for credit unions, what's that kind of most in, important first step to take uh, when it comes to their website development, right? Like getting down to the, mm -hmm. I guess, the nuts of it there, you know, where they can achieve that positive impact in their members' lives. And, and then to add on to that, you mentioned it very early on about m measuring results, you know, or measuring what happens, you know, the whole way through. How do you connect those two and, and measure the results all the way through? Yeah, great question. So, you know, there's a lot of steps, but one of the places I would start was some articles we wrote uh, for a fine publication, CU Insight, on digital social responsibility. Um, those two. So. <laughs> you'll link to those, I'm sure. Uh, which was really fun. It's a really cool concept that I, I believe came out of MIT originally. And it's thinking about what, what does positive impact look like in the digital space? Because it's, it's, it's a gigantic Thing, right, the, the carbon emissions from from the internet, from server farms, you know, would be like I think like the third biggest country in the world or something like that. So, how do we think about our digital presence as something we need to optimize? We need to have be a thriving core part of our strategy, and also do it in a way that that's responsible, that's consonant with the cooperative values and principles. So, the first step I would say it's always the first step I believe is just doing some kind of user testing, and in particular, I would say as a as a credit union thinking about who your members are and looking for something that's often ignored. So there's this concept of stress cases or edge cases where you say, I'm going to design my product for kind of the median user. I might be that person in, in America, right? 41 years old, white, upper middle class, pretty comfortable with technology. But instead you say, what are, what are sort of the folks at the edges? And rather than saying, we don't care about those folks, that's the edge of the bell curve. We say, if we try to build a really great user experience for them and make it easy and delightful and intuitive for them, that actually that's the best way to build the best kind of product. So that could be someone with different physical abilities. That could be someone with a different uh, racial or ethnic background, someone who's not a native English speaker. Um, it could be someone who's very old or very young. And I just have a brief story because this, this all to me is most clearly told through this concept from OXO, which is this maker of kitchenware that many of you know probably. Right. And it's so... I love it. We've got it all over my kitchen because it's just so easy to use. Like it, and I never worry about like slipping and cutting myself or whatever. And I, I heard this like over a decade ago, and it was one of their heads of user experience. And he said, we never design for the average user. We design for the extremes. So if we can build a kitchen knife that works for a 90-year-old, let's say a 90-year-old woman um, who has arthritis and limited mobility, or a seven-year-old child, then, and it's a great experience for them, we're going to just delight everyone else. So I think that's the literally the first place is to watch people using your technology, 
and not like your internal users, but but right. real real potential users. And that just tends to surface an enormous set of really easy, low-hanging fruit to improve your website. That, that makes a ton of sense. And are you tracking this going all the way through from that user experience, but then also once live to say, are we getting the results that we want? Yeah, thank you. I, for, I forgot to answer that question. <laughs> so I think of it as like the, the default way that websites are set up is kind of like if we were running a grocery store and we had video cameras on everything in the grocery store except for the checkout line. So we'd be like, right. wow, Randy, Randy picked up, I don't know your choices, but Randy picked up three bags of Doritos and yeah. some Twinkies. I know Twinkies are gone. It breaks my heart. And some apples. Right? And we were like, that's so interesting. But we don't know. Did you put that all down or did you actually finish the checkout? Did you grab some, you know, additional things, cough drops when you're, when you actually, you know, got into line? So, the, you know, the core thing is there's a lot of focus on figuring out, you know, attributing properly to who got to the website, you know, how, why, what do they do on the website? So that's another funnel of, you know, of the people who say get to a checking account page or a visa page. How many actually go through and click the button? Then it gets a little harder of, which can really depend on the third party vendors, but saying, can we actually get tracking set up on their online application forms? And then the last thing is, which is the kind of the holy grail for all of us is, how do we get close the loop and say, how many of these loans or accounts actually went all the way through the process and were funded? Or were they rejected by the credit union because they, they didn't have good enough qualifications for underwriting? Or were they accepted, but we were too slow and they got the loan elsewhere? So, it, you know, I, I don't have a silver bullet, but I think the core thing as a credit union is to be aware that that is the goal. and we, of course, want to focus optimizing our digital marketing, advertising, getting to the website. We want to focus our website's conversion rate, but understanding that we're trying to look at that complete picture and we're not just looking at one particular piece because it's really possible to optimize one piece of the funnel and actually create worse overall outcomes. Um, and and I, I've, I've, see, I've seen that where one example from also like over a decade ago was when we worked with a broader range of clients, we had a partner who drove traffic to a website um, because they saw that the, the clicks on the button went up when they drove traffic for this one search term. And so they shifted all this traffic from kind of a very focused search term to a more general one. But the problem is the more general term were like the bargain shoppers. And so they got more clicks on the buttons, but their their close rate, um, literally when they measured internally, their close rate dropped to like 10% of what it had been. So it was enormously expensive and painful for that client because this one vendor was only looking at one piece of the puzzle. And, and that'll always be part of the reality. But I think as, as you know, marketers and executives at Creighton is always saying, what's the whole funnel and how can we make sure we're connecting the dots? It's a great story. That's for sure. You know, to wrap up the first part of the show, and I'm so excited to ask you this, the idea of pre-pandemic, it's going on now. We've seen a ton of disruption and innovation coming to financial services across the board, inside, outside of credit unions. I don't think any of us believe that that's going to slow down or stop. So what trends are you seeing and where's Pixel folks focus you know, as we, we go forward to help credit unions meet these challenges? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, we have our, we've thought about this a lot and we have literally, you know, three pillars to our strategy. The first one, and, and I think this just maps to what we believe credit unions should be doing in the digital space. It's not complicated. So the first one is a mixture of, of best practices and creativity. So making sure that we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're also really focused on things like um, real photos of real people from our field of membership and, and our geographic area so that we don't just look like a generic national bank. The second pillar is the digital branch, which we already talked about. 
of saying, how do we get holistic measurement of what people are doing from end to end and not just for one piece? And then the third one is, is really telling social impact stories. And so I think, you know, storytelling is, is something that kind of gets talked about all the time at conferences and marketing. But I really look at what people are doing to, to sort of make that like an integral part of their credit union. So I love, uh, we talked a bit about this, Randy, you know, on the pre-show, I can call it the pre-show. I don't know, it's whatever it was, when we talked about it, whatever it was that we did. You know, I think about, you know, a credit union that I really admire is called Peninsula Credit Union in Washington State. And, and they Jim have every Morrell's shop, right? Jim Morrell. Yeah. yeah. And, and he said every, every person is a certified financial coach, you know, including like the IT staff and back office people. And so I think the storytelling kind of happens naturally when people are deeply connected to the heart and soul of the credit union movement. There's another one that we, we, we talked briefly about this concept of people's trust in, in Houston, Texas, and they have everyone on their leadership team has to be a credit union development educator. And so I think the more that the people inside of credit unions kind of like live and, and feel the, the values and the principles, the more naturally that the stories happen. And I think that is literally credit union superpower. That is the place that a for-profit bank or a mega bank, you know, cannot go and will not go. You know, we're going through a lot of this at my company with converting to a worker cooperative. It's, it's very different than the average person, the average employee's understanding and expectation of what business is. But if we can create that alignment and connection around these sort of deeper values and principles, then I really believe that, that you know, members, in our case, clients, that, that people can just feel the difference. And that storytelling comes through with a natural way and with a degree of authenticity that cannot be copied. So that's yeah. what I get most excited about. I get excited about a lot of things. That's what I'm most excited about. Uh, I love it. We will also link to the DE program to our friends Gigi and Chad over at the foundation because both you and I are proud DEs. We were talking about that before uh, before we did hit record. And Jim, I love Jim. We were, we were in Kenya together for an international DE trip and we did a safari and shared a van. So uh, it was awesome. Great guy. You know, to, to wrap up the show, I, I like to have a little bit of fun with some rapid fire questions like we do on the other podcast. It, it just wouldn't be a CU Insight network without them. So is there a recent purchase that you made? I kind of called it the COVID purchase. Did you get the Peloton or the puppy over the past year? Or was there something else that you, you didn't know you needed, but now you're like, I can't live without it? Well, I don't think I bought it, but we had a baby in May of 2020. So, I mean, we did pay a lot of money, I guess. But right. <laughs> he has been the ultimate kind of COVID just source of joy and, and connection and and Everything seemed to be going so slowly, but every day we saw this little human grow. But on a more maybe humorous note, heck yeah, I bought a Roomba, robot vacuum cleaners. I'm all in. I'm all in. That was that was life changing. I never even knew I needed it. But we have two, one for upstairs and one for downstairs. So especially when you have a when we had a dog, it was a lifesaver. I right? just we're on that thing. So <laughs> when you hear the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind and why? Boy, that's a good question. You sent these along, but I, I tried not to spoil my answers. I just I wanted to sound really awkward on them. Who do I think of when I think of success? I'm going to go with a guy named Blake Jones, who okay. is one of the, you may know him. He's one of the co-founders of Clean Energy Credit Union. He's a co-founder of one of the largest solar companies that's a worker-owned cooperative in the U.S. Um, he's been a really generous kind of advisor to us in our journey. I think he's the kind of person who's had a lot of options and paths in life. And he has just really generously dedicated himself to helping people to create more equitable models of capitalism. And he's just, he's one of those folks who I think he's at a point in life where he could really just kind of mail it in and relax. And he just seems to have more 
drive and commitment to give back every time I meet him. So I just, it's a real admiration for maybe how we can stay really engaged and committed throughout life in different phases and stages. I actually don't know him. Sounds fascinating. That's, I love your answer. Um, the, the random question, what's the uh, greatest album of all time? Well, so I sort of mentioned this. I didn't really get to it, I guess, in my background. So I was a, a jazz musician for several years, and I, I, I was really took a couple years and tried to make it you know, professionally. Did not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but I had fun. Uh, so, yeah, I think the obvious one, there's so many, but there, there's a Miles Davis album called Kind of Blue, which is... Um, one of the most, if not the most famous jazz albums of all time, but it, it's kind of like the Avengers or something like the, the talents, every single person on that album is a world-class, you know, generational talent led bands in their own right, you know, including folks like John Coltrane and Cannonball Adderley and Bill Evans. But the backstory is amazing that none of them had seen the music uh, before they recorded the album. So Miles Davis just brought in these very short and they're very simple pieces but somehow that it, it just is like the essence of like people who can just channel creativity on a level that, that I certainly can't. And so all these master musicians sat down, never having seen it in these incredibly simple songs and just created this kind of sublime, you know, transcendent album that, that really, I think, has never been equaled. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, what'd you play? I'm a guitarist. You're a guitarist. Ah, very cool. Is there a book that either you've gifted folks over you know your life or that you just that book that you think everybody should read well i think there's a book called the seven principles of what is it called i should know the seven principles of like like healthy marriage i forget the exact title from john gottman okay um and he's he's a seattle researcher and i just think he knows more about marriage you know he was sort of famous for they would observe couples in their their sort of love laboratory they called it they just come and move in for a weekend they'd strap heart monitors on them they do all this crazy stuff and so they got to really see what was really happening you know like if right. if if, a, if someone says something to someone else and their heart rate spikes you can't necessarily observe that so he really dug into like what is it that, that creates like a really amazing relationship and i think while it's aimed at marriage i think the principles apply to every relationship i'm terrible at rapid fire aren't i i'm gonna stop i'm just gonna rapid no, fire let's I, I, do this all I, I, right I love, I love it all right absolutely love it so calendar's empty you, you, you mentioned you have a young son what do you do to unwind what's what's that uh work-life integration look like to you yeah uh i've always loved reading i used to play a ton of soccer but not so much in the pandemic so i've got a hoop out front i love to go shoot hoops and then my my sister and her husband live next door we own a duplex together so sometimes it's kind of like a sitcom. I'll just like go over there and knock on the door because I'm bored. Any of those three. That, that had to be nice for the pod during the, the pandemic last year, right? Like we weren't seeing it, many people. So. We, we felt good about our choices. There's no question. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We'll link to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. I really appreciate you being here today. The last question I have uh, of you or for you is, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or ask some of our listeners today? You know, I think just... Thinking about, I, I, I have talked about this in other spaces of how as a credit union can we measure our positive impact and how can we, we elevate that to the point where not just the exec team, but the boards can see it. So there's kind of a set of metrics that are balanced out with, you know, return on assets and all the things that the regulators have credit unions looking at, which are critical for the financial health of the cooperative, but they don't actually show how well the credit union may or may not be living up to its purpose. And so I think. You know, the key piece of that is how do we have metrics that measure that in addition to the financial metrics? And then really thinking about what are products? Um, Jim Morell at Peninsula is great at this. What are products that we can add 
that kind of create impact um, in their own right. And so those are things like, you know, products where if a member, you know, has bad credit, but they make six or 12 months of, of repayments, you actually automatically lower their interest rate. Or you may have heard of, you know, I'm sure that they're kind of like save to win type products where it's using kind of this lottery mentality, but saying every time I save 25 bucks, I get like a lottery ticket. And so instead of buying lottery tickets, I'm building my nest egg and hey, maybe I win a free iPad out of it too. So just how can we design our products to create impact versus just writing checks and giving volunteer hours? That's two thoughts, but I like it. Well, I, I love it. I, and I love the idea of measuring impact. You, you mentioned it earlier in the show. That's not something we often do is measure the actual impact that we're having when we're measuring everything else nowadays. So, well, thank you again, my friend, Cameron. This has been a blast. Thank you for being on the show. I, I hope you're well and, and stay healthy, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. Mm-hmm.